we've got another episode for you this week. Please like, share, subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. And I hope that you enjoy this week's conversation. This episode will consist of topics around domestic abuse, domestic violence and sexual violence. If you require any support or help, please get in contact with your local domestic abuse, sexual violence organisation. In the UK, you can call the National Domestic Helpline on 0808 And if you are listening overseas, please contact your national helpline where support, advice and guidance will be available for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of A Conversation With. This week, we're going to like, I've got a really exciting guest with me this week, and we are going to talk all things economic. What does that actually mean? So just to set the context of where we're going before I introduce our guest, one in six UK women will experience some form of economic abuse. Um, In my own practice, like working with survivors, it exists in around about 95% of those domestic abuse cases that come my way. So what does that actually mean? And since the pandemic, so since the pandemic happened all those years ago, it feels like we're still living in it, but all those years ago, it's actually um, become worse for those victims since the pandemic and since the uh, cost of living crisis that is kind of hitting not just the UK, but globally as well. So for All of you listeners that are listening overseas, welcome. It's good to have you here again. But, you know, globally, uh, we know that um, there is a cost of living crisis hitting us. And that can affect people um, who are experiencing domestic abuse. Um, It will affect their decision making process about whether they want to stay in this relationship or if they want to leave and how they're going to leave if they don't have the economic resources to do so. So today's episode, I'm going to speak to, and I'm going to say this wrong, I know it, and i just done a, i just done a, how do I say your name before? <laughs> so I, I apologise, uh, please do correct me, but today we're going to speak to Lenny, um, who is um, an economic abuse specialist from Surviving Economic Abuse, and we're just going to talk about economic abuse. What does it mean? Um, practically what does that look like kind of probably define I don't know what your thoughts are but define the difference or the similarities between economic abuse and financial abuse because I think that they can be quite entwined um, and sometimes can be quite hard to separate so I'm going to say hello hello welcome hello thanks very much for having me on today's uh, episode on the podcast uh, it's good to have you. Thank you for, for joining us. Um, so, yeah, let's start with that. Like, you know, tell us a little bit about you, um, about your background and kind of what you do. Yes. So uh, my name is Eleni and I'm the economic abuse specialist over at Surviving Economic Abuse or C as we refer to ourselves. And we are um, a UK charity and we're the only UK charity dedicated to raising awareness of economic abuse and therefore transforming responses to it. 
And uh, here at the charity, what we like to do is raise awareness of what is economic abuse and influence changes to like professional practice, uh, systems, policy and legislation. So uh, so they are able to recognize economic abuse and have better support and outcomes for victim survivors. Um, we also do a lot of training. We're a research and education uh, organization, so we're not frontline, but we do do a lot of training of uh, thousands of professionals in different sectors um, and bringing in uh, sectors around the non-traditional, such as banking, um, money advice, uh, so that we can all have a holistic response to economic abuse. And right. of course, um, yes, sorry. No, 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 it's great. It's really good. It's really good to kind of really kind of um, lay the foundations of who, who you are, what you are, because I think it's such a big area um, that I think even if, we're, if I'm being honest, I don't know what your thoughts are, is that we're still getting to grips with. And I still think that there is um, a lot of professionals that actually still struggle. And then, like, you know, I don't I don't know kind of, again, what your thoughts are. But especially yeah. if there is a crime. So, for example, domestic abuse is a crime. So you've got coercive mm -hmm. control. You've got the other crimes that are associated with that. But actually, economically, if somebody is being economically or financially abused, kind of what does that mean? And where can I go with that? And if I was a police officer, what crime would I charge somebody with? Because obviously you've got the big ones such as fraud, for example. But so so it's really good to kind of go, actually, let's lay this down. So yes. let's lay it down. Let's, let's, let's lay it down. <laughs> yes, let's, absolutely. But you, you are, you are what does it mean? What does economic abuse mean? Well, do you know, I always like to give the metaphor of the work bag. So thinking about your bag that you need for work and let's just run through mine. It would definitely have my, uh, it would have my lunch in it. It would have my house keys. It would have my car keys. It might have my access pass to get into work. It would also have my glasses because I need uh, glasses or contacts to see. Um, it would also have my wallet. Uh, my my purse, my things, uh, you know, physical money change, uh, my cards. It also, as an Australian citizen, would have my, like, metaphorically, I would need my right to work, my immigration documents to show that I had a right to work in the UK. So that would kind of be in my bag. Now, when we talk about the term, like, financial abuse, we, if I mention financially, you probably start thinking about that purse I have in my bag. You probably start thinking about the money, the change, my credit cards, my debit cards. But when we start talking about economic abuse, it's a more of a broader term. And financial abuse is part of economic abuse. But economic abuse speaks about all those other things that I mentioned, things from basic necessities down to uh, someone's lunch, water, utilities, uh, thinking about things that you would need that has economic worth and is linked to economic safety. So all those things, if those things in my bag were either restricted from me, I had to ask permission to use them, that they would impact on my economic safety, how I went about the world my professional life, could I get to work if I didn't have these things uh, or these things were hidden from me or I had to ask permission. Um, also my personal life as well, how that would affect. So that's why we use the term economic abuse because it broadens it out because, uh, yeah, we, it's more than just money. It can be survivors, uh, career, uh, children, the lifestyle, uh, basics and necessities, immigration documents as well, and they all create instability and that dependence on an abuser. So uh, that's what we mean by economic abuse but you're right this kind of term um, has been growing more traction over the last kind of 
15 years, there's more research into it. And uh, lay it down in the legislation speak is that actually economic abuse as a known type of domestic abuse entered uh, the Domestic Abuse Act, yeah. England and Wales 2021. So it, it's now part of our statutory definition. And of course, that links into uh, the Serious Crime Act. Um, also, post-separation entered at the same time in England and Wales. Um, so these are now considered uh, types of, of economic abuse and, say, police protection uh, services can use the Serious Crime Act to look at these as a crime. So it's a little is- bit like, you know, <laughs> like talking just from my own kind of opinions and not based on anybody else's. So my, my views are my views. Um, yeah. but, you know, I do think that it's like domestic abuse, like, you know, has has always been um, around with being mm. like, unfortunately, a sad part of um, a small pocket of our society where survivors have been impacted by abuse. And I know that over the years, more training has been given around domestic abuse and and then particularly, you know, towards the middle of the 2000s, we started learning about terminology around coercive control. But from a domestic abuse perspective, like, you know, when I'm dealing with survivors, those tactics have always been there. So why has it taken so long to have this generalised kind of actually recognize that all of these things are a crime like you know because it hasn't changed in 20 30 40 years all those elements have been there there's always been economic abuse there's always been coercive control yes absolutely but but now we're starting to kind of nail that down which which is good it's a good thing and it's progress but I think that with all of these things wherever there is wherever activists are are trying to raise the flag for survivors and kind of mm. get it on the agenda it's always a slow progress so the fact that we are yeah. talking about economic abuse in this conversation and more so in organizations being set up and kind of delivering mm. that training the better it is because you're right you know it is it is a form of domestic abuse. Um, mm-hmm. And and if you are experiencing any form of physical or sexual violence or coercive control, you're more than likely going to experience some form of economic abuse. So that could be, and I've seen it, I've seen it, or I see it every day, where somebody yes. is making deliberate attempts of sabotaging education or work. Mm. You know, I've I've had members of staff even, you know, ha- like tell me that their husbands or partners have hidden their keys deliberately to to stop them going into work, and then that has a knock on effect because if you're late or you're having sickness, then at some point you're going to be pulled up by your manager. There may be some disciplinary actions, and then if you know if if then you're being let go if you're on a temp contract or a zero hour contract, that then has an economic resource so like. An effect doesn't it and that like yes. the ability to have food for example I remember and I say this story and I don't like you know I don't know what your personal stories are but but I remember when I first started working in domestic abuse um and I started my my career if you like and I was I was supporting a person you mm. know uh, an individual and I at the time we were allowed to do house visits before you know 
we, <laughs> we took us we took our um, safety seriously but I remember doing a house visit um and I done a house visit it was a joint visit and what struck me and I didn't really know anything about economic abuse per se like you know mm-hmm. um but I walked into this house and I needed to use the bathroom and I went into the bathroom and what struck me immediately was that on the right side of the bathroom was all of this value stuff. Like, um, I don't know if you remember, I don't know how long you've been in the UK, but the old Tesco value. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I what like so on the right side of me was all this Tesco value. Um, there are other brands, but for this, but it was Tesco. Um, but it was like shampoo, um, conditioner, soap, and toothpaste. And then mm-hmm. to the left of me was all this really expensive um, grooming products that would be for a male and even though I was still very early in my career I understood immediately there was a power dynamic within that family does, yes. does that make sense like yeah of course that inner that inequality between the two and I know when you've um uh on previous episodes when we talked about the Duluth power and control uh wheel even back in the 80s we had that segment didn't we about economic abuse so this is it's not new in the sense of actually back when we were forming our our ideas and our foundations about understanding power and control we knew it back then we were we were registering uh back then but I think somewhere along the way the focus has has not been on economic abuse and maybe the research hasn't kind of that we have now which shows that kind of evidence base that it is inter intertwined with other forms of abuse it is connected to safety um, and so it's beginning to have its more of a spotlight shined on it and also the post-separation as well because after um a victim survivor is able to leave a, an abuser economic abuse can be the only type of abuse left to to you know, be coercive and controlling post-separation. So we see an escalation um, or an uptake of economic abuse post-separation because it doesn't need that physical proximity. But um, I have heard uh, victim survivor stories, very similar, their lived experience about having to purchase or or even make homemade dinner and bread uh, for the perpetrator, for the abuser, where where her and the children are having jacket potatoes and beans and it's all, you know, it's all kind of non-branded bits because all the reasons all that economic resource uh, uh, is focused on meeting the needs of the perpetrator and the entitlement of the perpetrator. So I absolutely, you were picking up on that power, that power uh, imbalance, that inequality there that someone is worth less than someone else. Someone deserves more economic resource than the other person. That's very much um, a tactic of abusers. And because I, I did mention it in the intro, um, and I think it is quite relevant like to the conversation that we're having just on a broader scale of what this looks like. You know, in 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 your kind of professional capacity, um, you know, are you um is the cost of living having having an effect on on those survivors? So, you know, so when they're reaching out or when you're doing the training, for example, is that yes. an element of worry concern keeping them in relationships they don't want to be in yes yes absolutely and we produced um a report uh for professionals around the cost of living crisis and that intersection of the cost of living crisis with economic abuse and we do also have um a resource for survivors uh talking about and framing um economic abuse within our cost of living crisis because it is um you know 
abusers are kind of what we're seeing um, might use the crisis as like justification to either begin or ramp up and increase uh, abusive measures. Um, and also that we're seeing that abusers might take advantage of, of the crisis by introducing new dem demands or coercions linked to it. So it might be like, oh, you can't have your phone contract or you can't have the car anymore. We need to, you know, save money. It's a cost of living crisis. You can't put the heating on until I get home. We need to save money. Um, we should move in together. Together, and then when they do that, they don't contribute to the household. So these are all types of ways that the cost of living crisis could be used as justification yeah. or as a platform to, to create new demands or increase demands, which, again, what we're talking about with economic abuse is um, diminishing someone's um, independence and putting that dependency on the abuser, which then creates those barriers to leaving. Um, so, yeah, creating that dependency on the abuser because you're economically, um, have economic instability um, and, and you become that, yeah, dependent on the abuser, which makes it so much harder to leave. And then, of course, the cost of living and thinking about the cost of leaving, actually surviving uh, for, uh, for a woman, um, with her family as well, thinking about the cost of leaving um, in amongst the crisis that again compounds that 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 barrier to leaving because it's like, well, actually, how do I leave when my economic resources I don't have access to it? Um, they've been damaged, and now we've got the cost of living, which is you know just to put on the heating is more expensive than it was two years ago. So how do I do all these things and keep my family running? Um, and so yeah, it creates another layer, another challenge uh, of leaving. The abuser so yeah and we are seeing things sorry and i think it's really important that those that you know that whoever is listening um you know and that you are experiencing some form of financial economic abuse you don't have access to bank cards um somebody is racking up debts in your name um you know amongst this this cost of living crisis that you are concerned um about leaving or whatever it is there are a lot of organizations out there um that will be able to support you um with those steps moving forward so so if anything is is stirring you or triggering you or going oh they've said something and that that actually I, that relates to me then please do reach out to your local domestic abuse organization where they'll be able to advise and kind of give you support um and moving forward as well um around around those next steps um you know we don't you know both 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 of us we do not want people to be um in these dangerous abusive um relationships because of um you know so reach out and get get some support because there is support out there um, there's a lot of organizations there's lots of um grants that are available if that if if yes you're eligible for for those um that will enable you to be out of that situation and there's a number of organizations that will support you financially looking at your budgeting looking at your budget plan and all of that so it can seem really embarrassing and really scary but honestly, um, you know, the support's out there. I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, exactly what you just said in, in the sense that, you know, if, if this resonates with any of the listeners, um, please know that you are not alone and you will be believed. And, and as Shireen said, the domestic abuse frontline services in your local area 
uh, if you're experiencing economic abuse, um, there is, well, research says there's a likelihood that you're experiencing other forms of abuse because it is interwoven with other forms of abuse. But these services are for you. Uh, it is in our legislation. It is a crime. So don't feel like, oh, well, actually, I'm experiencing this. But I'm not experiencing, say, physical abuse or sexual violence, that these services are not for you. Um, and there is a lot of uh, other services that you might not kind of think of that are now positioning themselves to help victim survivors. Uh, one of the ones I wanted to mention is our partnership uh, with Money Advice Plus, uh, which is a money and debt advice service. And it's uh, bringing together the specialism of uh, economic abuse experience and uh, money debt advice uh, experience. And they've got a helpline. You can find that information on our website, Surviving Economic Abuse. And uh, I will put all of those links and all of that, that um, in the, the chat descriptions for you. So, so you've got those available if mm -hmm. you want to go and um, check those out um, at the end of the podcast. I guess mm -hmm. that, you know, I don't know how brief we can do it in the few minutes that we've got left, but, you know, so what are some of those signs of economic abuse? And I know that we've given some examples, um, you know, within that. But, you know, are there particular signs that that somebody should be looking out for or... Or, um... Well, yeah, I, I mean, some of our recent research that we did around cost of living um, is that 67% of victim survivors are already in a negative budget or have less than £100 surplus at the end of the month. Um, so that's something to look out for people who don't have that surplus or are in a negative budget. Um, and victim survivors currently are left with an average amount of debt of around £20,000, which is around six times more than we saw in 2020. So you can just see the impact of the pandemic and then the cost of living. Um, so, so large amounts of debt um, as well. And um, we do frame uh, the tactics of abusers under uh, categories such as restrict, exploit and sabotage. Right. So if you are seeing um, in your patients, in your clients, in the people that you're supporting, uh, a restriction of economic resources, a sabotage of economic resources, um, and exploitation of economic resources they are the kind of overhead signs but on our website we do have uh, an economic uh, power and control wheel it's based on the Duluth model endorsed by Duluth so check that out that kind of covers um, a lot of tactics of abusers that you might see uh, that speaks to economic abuse and there is a post-separation uh, power and control economic power and control wheel and some of your resources I understand correct me if I'm wrong but some of those resources that you have on your website they're translated in different languages um for those yes yeah Yes, we have uh, four different languages of like, what is economic abuse or understanding economic abuse? We have a resource in uh, four different languages. Um, we also have a four minute uh, media video, uh, an animation which talks about what is economic abuse. And that is, um, has eight different languages in subtitles. So if you do have patients or clients who uh, that is more accessible to them um, then and around languages, then we do have uh, those things. We also, something we launched recently, and we haven't really spoken about quickly, is banks, the work that banks are doing and financial services are becoming more um, clued into how they can support, um, support survivors. So we have a how banks can help video as well uh, on our website and our 
banks are doing some amazing work to think about just think about Lloyd's TSB they've got um, a domestic and financial abuse team now uh sorry Lloyd's does TSB have also uh launched an emergency fund uh for survivors to help flee domestic abuse so yeah. there's a lot of changes happening in the financial services um so do speak to your banks if any of this is resonating with you to think about your economic safety and how they can help you find a uh, better economic safety in amongst um, being a victim survivor of these types of abuse. And lastly, I guess I just want to again, like reiterate something I said earlier, but actually, you know, one of the one of the reasons why people don't disclose about abuse and, and it's a thread that's throughout all of the episodes of the podcast is um, shame and embarrassment. That's what keeps people in this state of um, uh, non-disclosure or or staying in relationships because they're embarrassed or they feel guilty or they've got a lot of shame with it and and when you then add in the mix of debt or money or lack of money or lack of economic resources or you can't afford just basic sanitary products for example or it can be, it can cause um discomfort for people and mm. you've got nothing to be ashamed about um nobody is going to think any less of you if you reach out there Absolutely. are there are organizations that will support you um with with that and so like you know um i want i want to encourage you that that, that you you're not going to be met with any ridicule or anything if you have found or you find yourself in a situation where you do not have resources or you don't have food or you don't have um or you're in this huge amount of debt and you you're spiraling you don't know how to get out of it you know you've got nothing to be ashamed of um please please do reach out i'm going to put some i'm going to put the surviving economic abuse um links all over this um so you've got those um you've got like you know citizen advice there's other organizations um that that um are available as well so we'll put the links to those um but please please you know you are not alone um you know you will be believed and there is support and help um for you thank you so much for joining me this week it's been great and I we could speak for hours I like yeah I get the sense that we could talk quite a lot together I think we would be dangerous <laughs> just one thing I just wanted like you know when you were talking about your handbag I was sat there going oh my god you don't want to be looking in mine I've got pieces of lego <laughs> I've probably got outdated food somewhere <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me no problem thanks very much for inviting us it's uh, been amazing and it's been amazing to shine a light on on such a sensitive subject and and it's really encouraging to know that there are organizations like you out there training people like me um that aren't necessarily as comfortable going well what does this look like or what does this mean um so you know thank you for the great work that you and your team are doing um and all, the, all of the amazing reports and everything that then feeds into legislation and policy in the wow. uk it's amazing so thank oh. you so much right back at you serene thank you very uh, much for having me you're welcome thank you you have just listened to the episode on economic abuse. For further information and for some resources that are freely available for both professionals and survivors, 
please do go to Surviving Economic Abuses website, which can be found at www.survivingeconomicabuse.org. The link is also in the episode description, where there's also some other links that will take you to some organisations that will be able to support you if you find yourself in financial difficulty as a result of economic abuse. You're not alone, don't be ashamed. There is support freely available for you.